it's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. News Radio Studios in Midtown Manhattan. It's the fastest growing radio talk show. Brian Kilmeade. Hey, welcome to the latest moments of the Brian Kilmeade Show. one 408 7669 So glad you're here. We've got a busy hour coming your way. Of course, with your calls, we're following many breaking stories, including the crypto boss still in a, under arrest and will be in jail. Uh, so February 8th, we're also looking at what's happening with the economy. I thought the president yesterday was taking a bow at 7% inflation. How much it is more than a year ago. Yes, it's down from 8 and I appreciate the market surging. But on an everyday basis, if you talk to people looking at the utility bills and uh, or paying for gas, everything is up, including if you go shopping for food, which I think most of us are happy to do. Uh, so we'll talk about that. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. A Christmas gift that's even more alluring than lingerie? Naturally, nude pajamas by Pajamagram. Sensuous and soft, they look just as seductive as they feel. Get naturally nude pajamas today at Pajamagram.com. Number three. It was worse than we thought. I mean, you got big tech, big government, uh, big media all colluding to keep information from the American people. That's Jim Jordan. I'll give an extended soundbite on that even further because it looks like we have more information on the Twitter files. Jack Dorsey tweeted out his thoughts about mistakes that he has made, and and he put it out in a letter and things he would have done different on a platform. I'm seeing so much wrong. All I'm thinking about, it's not just Twitter. How are we going to get to the bottom of what went on with Instagram and YouTube and Facebook? Number two. Do you think those should be returned to investors and customers who use FTX as opposed to donating now that he's accused of fraud? Yeah, absolutely. AOC, FTX fraudster, is finally behind bars as as nations spar, investors wallow, and celebrities scramble to cobble back billions that Sam Bankman-Fried squandered in his creepy crypto boondoggle. Why so many Democrats are about to be under enormous pressure to give back the millions he supplied them. I get the sense there's so much more we have to learn. Number one. A crush of migrants entering the U.S. in El Paso, Texas. Joan video shows them lined up at the river that separates the city from its Mexican neighbor, Juarez. Some 2,400 people sought to enter this country along that part of the border on Sunday alone. Yeah, at least CBS is reporting something. We've been doing it alone. It's all going to get worse as the deadline for Title 42, a emergency pandemic operation, is set to evaporate in just one week. Meanwhile, President Biden celebrates trans rights, same-sex rights, interracial marriage on the White House lawn. What is his plan from stopping nine to 15,000 illegals overwhelming our border daily, which has begun to... Hit astronomical numbers already. We've never seen anything like this. And the president doesn't seem to care. There doesn't seem to be pressure from other outlets, but they should, including the Democratic mayor of El Paso. This guy suddenly, after using his own money to ship illegal immigrants out because they're overwhelming his city, he's now gone silent. And no one understands why you'd be silent when you have an obligation to the people that elected you and your own party has a president 
in power. Here's what Bill Malusian says. A new chain link fence has been erected on the U.S. side of the Rio Grande border, where thousands of migrants have been crossing illegally daily because of massive caravans Sunday night. Unclear if the feds or El Paso put up the fence, migrants waiting behind it. Meanwhile, Brownsville, we once again witnessed Border Patrol mass releasing hundreds of migrants at a, at a parking garage. An NGO across the street then helps organize the travel around the U.S. Border Patrol tells me they released hundreds here almost daily, sometimes 10 busloads a day. How is that in our national interest? Chip Roy is outraged. He's talking about impeaching Mayorkas, but that wouldn't change a thing, sadly, even though he has been terrible. Cut three. I mean, we've been getting crushed, right? I mean, 7,000 a day uh, for as long as I can remember now. Uh, extraordinary numbers, all purposeful uh, policy choices by this administration. Uh, obviously now, Title 42, also chatter of amnesty over in the Senate. Uh, all of these are things that are magnets to draw more people. And if you don't actually enforce the laws on the books, if you don't actually use uh, Reign in Mexico um, and uh, do the things that we know will work to turn away, then you're going to get more. I mean, it's just not rocket science. I mean, but yet the administration knows this. Uh, that's the actual problem. They know it and they don't care. They don't care. And the president said it. I got other things to do when he was in Arizona. Where's Senator Kelly now? You ran on the fact that you thought the border was a problem and the Democratic administration was ignoring it. Where are you now? Uh, where's Katie Hobbs, the attorney general, who said the, the border was an issue? I mean, there's still Carrie Lake is still protesting it. But let's assume she becomes uh, she becomes governor. Is she going to take down Governor Ducey's? container wall that he's put up. It looks to double in size and length because they need it. Border Patrol needs it to block. So then I read this story in the New York Post today. Fearing 14,000 a day, the Biden administration is weighing rules to ban asylum seekers for five months. Whoa, wait a second. I had to read this 10 times. Wait, you're now thinking about a plan that would stop asylum seekers for five months? You know they follow our news. You know they wouldn't have taken the journey if you had made that plan apparent and put it out there. You would have relieved all this pressure. And if you're going to actually do this, what are you waiting for? It's primarily applied to migrants from Mexico, Guatemala, Honduras, and El Salvador, but expanded to include Venezuela earlier this year amid an influx of asylum seekers that we're experiencing right now. Uh, I find it frustrating. And if it wasn't for Title 42 going away, I probably wouldn't do it today. But there is, there is an expiration date on it. I want to move ahead. And this FTX, this story is maddening. You do not want to come to me if you want to know about the pluses and minuses of cryptocurrency or international business. You probably want to go anywhere else. You have some stocks. You have some money you want to invest. Keep looking. Stuart Varney's down the hall. Um, Charles Payne's down the street. You don't want to come to me. But this is so outrageous. Even I can understand what goes on. But I just don't understand how he pulled it off. Sam Bankman-Fried spent FTX funds on swanky real estate, donations, and, of course, to on himself, about $360 million worth of Bahamian real estate he has bought. With his parents on the payroll, he did all this. Never set up a quality control, a risk management team. There was no accountability. When people took in, when he was taking in money, apparently he had no problem spending it. Funds from FTX include more than $8 billion that went towards affiliated trading with Alameda Research. He was affiliated with his girlfriend, Alameda. He gave them the money. They had no money to back it up. It disappeared. She disappeared. She might be a a state's witness right now. So CEO John Ray, who was installed in the role to oversee the company's bankruptcy restructuring, uh, will likely resist any efforts by the Bahamian government that started yesterday to gain control of the assets. He said it was flat-out embezzlement. 
They just flat out stole the money. And he said it was just he feels bad. He feels terrible. He would do things differently. Not okay. Glad he's in jail, but wondering about the timing. What could have been wrong with this guy getting in front of Congress via Zoom and answering every question? It would help build the case against him. He was doing it against his paid representation. But instead, they grabbed him. Why? Part of it is 36-6. What is 36-6? 36 separate lawmakers got substantial funds from Sam. And six were Republican. So six, not of 36, six separate. So 36 Democrats, six Republicans got some money. Nowhere near what all these Democrats got. You know what else he did? This is insidious. This is a cap on how much me and you can give to any cause. Not if you use a fake name. So he was putting some of these donations coming out of his company into other people's coffers and super PACs, perhaps, and individual candidates under different names. That's another campaign uh, finance violation. So here's what they're charging him with. Conspiracy to commit wire fraud to customers. Wire fraud on customers. Conspiracy to commit wire fraud on lenders. Wire fraud on lenders. Uh, Conspiracy to commit commodities fraud. Conspiracy to commit money laundering. Conspiracy to defraud the United States and violate campaign finance laws from what I just told you about. So we'll have to see where this money goes. I would love to see all these people... I mean, I feel terrible. I know quality people. I, by almost all accounts, Tom Brady's a quality individual. Shaquille O'Neal, I think he's one of the best people, overall great people in sports. And they're part of the reason. They got paid big money. Mr. Wonderful has been a guest here. Uh, Kevin O'Leary from Shark Tank, he got paid $15 million. They are evidently going to play to pay um, Taylor Swift $100 million to do this crypto steal. So if you got $15 million and it's sitting in your account and you find out that all these smaller investors that maybe put a million in or 50000 in, do you give that money back? When we come back, uh, I'll take your calls. And at the bottom of the hour, uh, Rich Lowry. In fact, yesterday, Argentina was just stunning uh, and just throttling Croatia. They are now going to a final. Uh, on Sunday, Tony Miola breaks down today's semifinal and yesterday's semifinal. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Politics, current events, and news that affects you. Brian's got a lot more to say. Stay with Brian Kilmeade. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. Hey there, it's me, Kennedy. Make sure to check out my podcast, Kennedy Saves the World. It is five days a week, every week. Download and listen at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton with Row. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my <laughs> name is Chad. His name is Jonathan. But you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. I was wrapping up one of my last work calls of the day on Friday, and I started to see messages from Grant's uh, friend and colleague, Gabriel Marcotti, another soccer journalist. 
and I saw messages coming in on Twitter, on my texts, on my email, and I, I realized, well, there's clearly something wrong. And so I got off the call and I called uh, Gabriel, and he told me he had seen what had happened at the stadium, that Grant had collapsed, um, that they had tried to do CPR uh, for some 20 minutes and then took him off to the hospital. Mm-hmm. And two of his uh, other colleagues were following in a car behind the ambulance. And that's what I knew at that point. Mm -hmm. And so then I started to try to track down somebody at the hospital to tell me what had happened. I kept on asking, did he have a pulse? When, so you were asking doctor questions? because Well, yeah. I knew that was a sign. If mm-hmm. he had a pulse when he left the stadium, that would have been a good sign. But no one would answer the question. Mm-hmm. And so to me, that was, I was scared. Dr. Celine uh, Gounder who happens to be the wife of Grant Wall, who passed away, we now know from an aneurysm, on CBS this morning, where she is a contributor. Think about that. Uh, he was one of the premier soccer journalists, also does some great work on, on all sports, including a big cover story on 17-year-old LeBron James. Joining us now, a guy that's been there every step of the way, Tony Miola. Uh, he's been commenting on on soccer, and, of, of course, you know, a Hall of Famer, from a Herman Trophy Award winner. Uh, hey, Tony, we just want to get your take not only on the games today, yesterday, but on the passing of Grant Wall. Now that we know it was an aneurysm, who would think 49 years old, the guy looked in great shape? Yeah, good morning, Brad. Yeah, he was, and, and he was a colleague of mine at Fox when I covered the uh, World Cup in, in uh, 2018 in Russia. And, and I met Grant when he was a young writer. He came out to uh, Kansas City to do a, a story on a on a team at that time that I was playing in Kansas city that ended up winning a championship. And he, you could tell, you could tell how sharp he was right away. And I, I feel, and, and there's been so many tributes. I I'd almost re- be repeating everything that's online, but you can tell how many lives grant touched by just being a kind human being, man. We, we, we lost a good one. I can tell you that. Right. And his brother says if he feels bad originally, his brother's gay and he came out where you had a pride flag on the, and the Qatar made him take it off. And they, his brother thought it was related to that, how he died at 49. But it, obviously this was something uh, that couldn't have been prevented. An aneurysm, who knows? There might have been some signals. On a much lighter note, yesterday's semifinal oh, with Argentina winning 3 nothing. your takeaway besides being they were overwhelmingly the better team? Well, there are a couple stories coming into the World Cup, right? You had uh, Ken Ronaldo put Portugal over top. Can France uh, win another World Cup? And that that still will be determined with the game today. And Lionel Messi uh, was the other story. This was real. This is really his swan song on the international stage, and he kind of confirmed that yesterday in his press conference, saying, you know, my he essentially said, you know, my last game, and it's great. It's going to be in the World Cup final. I mean, he was a storyline coming in, and it continues to be a story. And I'm. You know, there, there's so many uh, divisions on whether you're a Cristiano Ronaldo fan or whether you're a you know, Messi fan. I've been a Messi fan, not, not as if I don't like Cristiano and what he's done and respect what he's done on the field. But, uh, but Messi's been that guy that I've leaned towards. Man, what, what, a, what an incredible uh, ending this would be to an international career for Messi. So here it is. The first goal was a penalty kick. And it was it, the goalie just took out uh, the forward. I don't know if you thought he had a choice, but not many people disputed it should have been a penalty kick. Here's when Messi lined up to take it. Penalty! Penalty for Argentina! Yellow card to Lovakovic! Messi buries it! Lovakovic goes the right way, but there's no keeper saving that. It's rising, it's hit with venom, it's in the top corner. And Lionel Messi gives Argentina the lead with authority. 
And then that second goal, when you just watch somebody, it was almost like a fullback running through the line in football, <laughs> just bowling way through uh, the better team. So, so Argentina gets to the final. Today, Morocco against France. Morocco, the biggest story was Saudi Arabia beating Argentina in game one, and now Morocco yielding just one goal. What do you expect today? Yeah, a low-scoring game. And we talked, I mentioned those storylines coming in. And you know, in these big tournaments, there's always storylines that develop. And Morocco is by far the first African team uh, nation ever to get to the semifinals of the World Cup. They're going to try to be the first team to get to the finals. I wouldn't be surprised if they beat France. France, though, is an overwhelming favorite. But Morocco has only conceded one goal in this competition. And it was an own goal, Bri. And you know how tough that is. Uh, what, five games into this competition. This is going to be a really interesting one. I expect a lower scoring game unless uh, France scores early because that will mean Morocco will have to do something they haven't done the entire tournament, and that's really spread themselves out. So interesting tactically today in this match, but it should be another fun one. Greg Berhalter made some news, not naming names, but indicating that it was Gio Reyna at 19. He almost sent him home unless he apologized to the team. They said basically he was lazy in practice. Reyna's uh, coming back through his agent. Where's this heading? Yeah, that's a good question. No one really knows. I'm surprised by the whole story. Um, look, you got a 20-year-old who didn't react well to being, uh, being told he wasn't going to be a big part, right? So that's that just happens. I'm a little bit surprised that this story came out the way that it did. Maybe a little bit naive on Greg's part. Maybe Greg wanted it to come out and knew it was going to come out in a in a form that was apparently supposed to be just private. So um, either way, I don't think it's a good look. I don't think it, it, it paints uh, either of these two um, in glory. That's for sure. Gio from a young, you know, he'll, he'll recover from this. He'll become better from this. And hopefully Greg will will become a, a better leader from this with regards to understanding, you know, how you have to constantly protect that locker room all the time. And, and um, it's just uh, no no one looks great in this thing, but hopefully we can get over it really, really quick. Do you want him fired? Do you think uh, the Burholter should come back? Well, I've, I've been an advocate. I'm not a big fan of, of second terms with national team coaches. Having said that, like five of them in the quarterfinals were second and even uh, third uh, term managers in this World Cup. So that, that sort of theory has been squashed. I don't know if you fire them. Uh, you certainly have to sit in a room and you got to bang heads and figure out how you get past this because one thing we do know is that uh, if the path is set right now, Gio Reyna will be around the national team a lot longer than Greg Berhalter or any other They knew each other since uh, high school, right? Don't they know each other since high school, the Reyna family and the Berhalters? Well, yeah, since high school, they went to St. Benedict's together. Uh, Both their wives were college roommates. (laughs) Uh, So (laughs) there's some ties in here. And I, I don't know what the family dynamic is now. Um, uh, either way, I just hope they can sit in a room from that standpoint and, and family uh, relationships don't get ruined. But look, we're national team fans, right? And Gio's going to be part of this. Who knows if Greg's going to be part of this? They'll decide that here in the near future. Gotcha. Uh, but you're, you're right. There's a lot of dynamics, right, going on in here. So hopefully that, it gets cleared up, man. America's greatest goalie ever, Tony Miola. Thanks so much. Thank you, Brian. Have a good morning. All right, you too. one 408 Rich Lowry, then your call. So glad you're here. Brian Kilmeade Show.
information you want, truth you demand. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Uh, let's bring in Rich Lowry, editor of the National Review, author of The Case for Nationalism. Uh, Rich, welcome. Hey, how's it going? Hey, uh, real good. I'm seeing your column here about uh, Elon Musk being the next uh, culture warrior or the bigger culture warrior over than Trump. There's a lot of things swamping President Trump since he announced. But uh, obviously, a lot of this stuff revolves around Trump. One of the revelations mm-hmm. that came forward is that you have a guy, the, the Jack Dorsey, says, in retrospect, we made a mistake banning him <laughs> yeah. uh, from Twitter. <laughs> yeah, a mistake. Uh, whoops. Uh, I mean, it was clear in the the direct messages and Slack messages back and forth that they knew he hadn't violated anything with these two tweets they focused on after January 6th, one saying, I'm grateful for 75 million patriots voting for me, and the other saying, I'm not showing up for the inauguration. And, and they, they, they squinted just the right way and tried to pretend that was somehow an incitement to violence just because they wanted to knock the guy off. Because, look, you know, they were offended by his conduct. I think that's reasonable enough. But you, you can't just distort the rules of your social media platform to get them off or you have no rules. And that's that's the big takeaway that we've learned, Brian. So they didn't have any rules. They're, they're subjectively enforced against one side. So Jack Dorsey writes this. It's just a mystery why he wanted Elon Musk to buy it, being that it's exposed so much of him and others doing things that are unsavory and inaccurate and flat out dis- deceitful. This is what he wrote. I generally think that companies have become far too powerful and that becoming uh, and that became completely clear to me with our suspension of Trump's account. As I've said before, we did the right thing for the public company business at the time, but the wrong thing for the Internet and society. I continue to believe there was no ill intent or hidden agendas and everyone acted according to the best information that we had at the time. Really? No hidden agendas? I don't know about Dorsey in particular. He probably is a lefty. But the people that he hired, oversaw, absolutely had an agenda. Yeah, that's that's one theme here is that when when some of this stuff was happening, you know, Jack Dorsey was off on vacation, walking on a sandy beach with a, with a model, you know, and I had no idea what was what was going on. But the people beneath them, they all uh, were creatures of and suffused by this ideology of quote unquote safety. So Brian, when we grew up, safety meant like don't turn over the, the lawnmower when it's running to see if there's something wrong with the blade, right? Or don't uh, operate heavy equipment on sleeping pills. But it's it's become and it started in college campuses. This this idea that speech threatens you, and it, it's the, the, these, this word. You know, if you're the head of trust and trust and safety, you you do not have a, a pro free speech attitude, and you, and you're not ideologically unbiased because there's there's a, a progressive ideology suffused with this idea of of safety. So you all Roth and and all these characters. That's where they're coming from, and every progressive who was on Twitter, by the way, knew it or sensed it. Right. That's why they've been so infuriated that Musk took it over because they knew it was their playpen and it was operating by their rules and and that was an agenda here's what he said in 2018 cut 12 we do not shadow ban according to political ideology or viewpoint or content period uh we every every model that we have on the network uh, is really looking at the behaviors on the network uh we take those behaviors as signals and i do want to point out that these signals evolve uh minute like minute by minute hourly by hourly these are not scarlet permanent letters that people then take on as a badge and will never be ranked high in search or not allowed to trend or ranked high in conversations. He's not telling the truth. Yeah. I mean, and, and whether, he, right, whether right. he left the guys in charge and said, promise not to do this ideologically and with a wink and a nod or not. But why would he want Elon Musk to buy it? 
Why would he put out the letter he does today? He also is very critical of the fact that Musk is not putting everything down at once. He wants mm-hmm. it WikiLeaks, WikiLeaks style. Just put it all out there at once. And he's doing it slow and putting it into categories. Yeah. So, I mean, I think there's something to that, just re- releasing releasing all, all this stuff. It's a little um, hard to follow as a consumer, these these Twitter threads. You know, it'd be easier if someone wrote a traditional story. But look, Musk is a businessman and a showman. Those, those two things are connected. And he wants to garner as much attention for Twitter towards the end of, of making it a, a profit-making initiative. And that's, that's his right. And that's why he's doing it this way. I mean, what if we, Brian, it's just amazing. This is why I said, you know, Musk is kind of eclipsed uh, Trump in certain respects. What have we talked about the last two months? Obsessively, like all the time, every day, uh, Twitter, you know, and there's a reason for that. And that's the reason why, even though all the progressives are saying, oh, it's going down the tubes, he doesn't know what he's doing, he fired all the key people, that uh, more people are signing up and more people are engaging. Here's the problem. And it's not, it's his problem, not ours. It's, I think it's it's 99% good. What I don't love is they're taking it out on Tesla. Now, I know he's a billionaire, but he led the country with, the, with uh, electric car technology. He is uh, taking great risks to do it, and he set up his own terminals. Yes, there were some subsidies involved, but now, for the first time in six years, he is – it's going to close down. Most of the reason is because people look at him as a conservative mm-hmm. Twitter guy now. Yeah. Um, so th- this is this is the big downside to what he's been doing at, at Twitter. I, I, I wish him every success. It's a, a hugely important proxy war and the, the, the uh, battle and the, the culture war now. So I want him to win. But scheme of things is um, fi- fixing Twitter and making it more fair. Is that more important than like shooting off rockets into space? You know, so we can beat the Chinese in the space race and maybe one day have a, a manned mission to Mars? No. Or is it more important than building electric cars? No. Or drilling holes or setting up satellite links for for Ukraine all that stuff i think is more real and more important but you know the, the battle is joined over twitter so the problem is no one said if you have right wing bias used to be subtle and shaded now it happened it got exposed on twitter and then facebook and then people either zone out or zone in depending on who owns it but it's never going to be the same number 2 is you know conservative media excuse me liberal media is not changed at all because most of them aren't even covering this story mm-hmm which backs up the bias that they were writing about. They're not covering this story. They're not covering the border story. They are talking about codifying uh, interracial marriage Mm -hmm. or same-sex marriage. That that, that ship has left that that, – the bus has left the building. We know that already. It, it has, and I, I mean, there's no, there's nothing to do about it really, um, except have have our own uh, uh, on that right, our, our own uh, outlets. They're they're different, more in, independent minded. And fairer, and you know, all, all this has gotten out um, via journalists who aren't aren't right wingers. You know, I don't share any um, ideological views with Matt Taibbi. Some with Barry Weiss, but n- not a lot. I mean, she's right of center, but she's not a, a conservative. And you have these independent voices that realize that the media is a monolith that is unfair and that is um, beholden to a herd mentality, and and they want to be something different. And and Musk represents that that himself. There's this whole class of people now, Taibbi. Bill Maher, Glenn Greenwald, Elon Musk, who are just independent thinkers, right? They're, they're not right-wingers. They're not conservatives. They're not social conservatives, but they just don't go along with the party line, and, and that makes them uh, marked men and women, and it, it, they get defined as conservatives, even though they're, they're not. 
So when you look at what's happening right now with the Republican Party, they're about to take over, and this is what they plan on doing, cut 13. It was worse than we thought. I mean, you got big tech, big government, uh, uh, big media all colluding to keep information from the American people. So, And it shows that Jim Baker was on all sides of the equation. You know, there he was, he's, in the, he's, in the, he's chief counsel of the FBI when they're spying on Trump, when he's taking the information from Clinton's lawyers, Usman, that was all baloney. The Alpha Bank stuff was all baloney. And then he goes to Twitter, and he's involved in suppressing the Hunter Biden story. So we'll, we'll see. But... Uh, Mr. Comer's going to look into it. We're going to look into it from the, from the angle of the Justice Department, and we'll see if we can get all the facts out there for the American people. But God bless Elon Musk and what he's doing. Yeah, true. And the next thing that he's going to release, the next category is going to be COVID. And what mm-hmm. they've done is not neutralize Dan Bongino and Charlie Kirk, which is horrendous, but it's opinion. They're going to neutralize doctors, esteemed, mm-hmm. world-renowned doctors. And yep. we know Jay Bacciaro was already invited into Elon Musk's office in order to look through other things. You know, there's other esteemed doctors. I guarantee you, Dr. McCary, Dr. Siegel, mm-hmm. uh, were all marginalized because they didn't agree with uh, the defamed and the disgraced Anthony Fauci. Yep. And, and, and there's a reason, like, a, a lot of people had no idea what the truth was about important matters. The one I always go to, Brian, is uh, masking of young kids. No other advanced country did it the way we did. No other health authority in an advanced country said you've you got to mask young kids at schools because uh, they're not going to wear the mask properly. The mask, they... They don't really work, and the, the kids aren't, much, aren't at much risk. So, so why do it? That was the attitude everywhere around the world. But here, you know, it was gospel truth that they had to be masked, and I'm sure they were, they were suppressing uh, uh, counter-opinions to that. So uh, sunshine is the best disinfectant, as the, the, the left used to believe, and that's, that's what Musk is doing here. All right, uh, Rich Larry, thanks so much. Appreciate it. All right, thanks, Brian. Have a great All week. right, Rich Larry, Nash Review. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show, one 866 It's a rare opportunity in life where you get to tell the whole nation what you think. They're, don't move. Expanding your knowledge base, it's the Brian Kilmeade Show. From his mouth to your ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. We need to challenge the hundreds of callous, cynical laws introduced in the states targeting transgender children, terrifying families, and criminalizing doctors who give children the care they need. We have to protect these children so they know they are loved and we will stand up for them and say they can seek for themselves. What is wrong with him? For him to focus on that when the border collapsing, uh, you, to have same go sit there and vilify people, they say in Republican states, they'll have uh, callous laws against what? Interracial marriage, same-sex marriage? No. What they tried to do, and I think it's referring to, is a, is a law that was passed in Florida to not bring up sexuality to teens, uh, to, excuse me, until you become a teenager and not in grammar school. Well, how hard is that to understand? And he knows better. So he's sitting there with Cindy Lauper and uh, who knows who else, Lady Gaga, and they're dancing around with their cross-dressers and their transsexuals acting as if they've been abused. No, you should not be talking about gender fluidity to children. You should not be talking about strippers. You should not be talking about cross-dressing. You should not be picking your own gender. 99% of the American public believe in that. Whether they're saying it or not are too scared to, that's a fact. And this president, having uh, dedicated this time at the White House uh, for this is an embarrassment. 
embarrassing worse than anything the previous administration does, constantly doing things that we don't care about with these culture wars while go giving in to the left-wing crazy immigration groups that think we're better off allowing everybody into our country because we don't deserve to be here alone. Nobody else does this. It's crazy. It's insane. And just to have the backdrop as if people out there are against interracial marriage, it's absolutely nuts. Where are his priorities? Who's setting up his schedule? I mean, who's voting for that? Nuts. Meanwhile, let's look at the economy. The president was taking a bow on. Uh, We do know that inflation is still at 7%. It should be at 1% or 2%. And here's the president yesterday, cut 16. This morning, uh, we received some welcome news, in my view, and I think the view of most economists on the economic front. News that provides a reason for some optimism for the holiday season, and I would argue for the year ahead. Inflation is coming down in America. In fact, this new report is the fifth month in a row where annual inflation has fallen in the United States. Inflation outside of food and energy, uh, a key measure that economists use, also fell. Make no mistake, prices are still too high. We have a lot more work to do, but things are getting better, headed in the right direction. But it looks like they're going to raise interest rates again. For those of you looking to sell or buy a house, oh, sorry. Here's Larry Kudlow, Cut 18. Inflation is the cruelest tax of all. You're exactly right. It affects household necessities. It affects electricity, which is rising at double digits. It affects gasoline at the pump, which has come down because we've depleted the strategic uh, petroleum reserve. But that's probably just going to be temporary. It affects the poorest among us the most. I absolutely agree with that. But here, too, look, the Congress has got to wake up. And I think it's a Senate issue as much as it is a House issue. True. And what people say with oil and gas, the reason why the price is down, and we love that. We love it. But the reason why the prices are down is because China and their zero COVID policy and the problem with all they're having with their economy. And as soon as they get back up to speed, everything's going to go back up high. And why China was able to do that Saudi Arabian trade deal, I'm not really sure, but no one should be happy about that. Maybe while the president ran as a candidate, he tried to vilify them, tried to make up for it. Instead, uh, he's got kicked in the teeth, and we're all feeling the pain because of it. So we'll see what happens with oil and gas. We know that Europe's having a, uh, their rates are going through the roof. The Putin price hike, if you believe the Putin price hike, nothing has changed. The prices should still be high if you believe the, what the president was saying. Why are they lower now? Mainly because of China. And we should be doing more with natural gas. More natural gas. Because with the more natural gas, it burns clean. The more natural gas, the less oil you need. Here's Kevin McCarthy on what is coming down the pike now. More spending. Now, we were with Jeb Bush yesterday. And he said the main thing that he just can't get his head around and then he's, is how much spending they're doing in Washington. He says it gives a bad name to drunken sailors to say they're like spending like drunken sailors. And now to think this is going to happen, they're going to pass an omnibus bill because they can't fund the government, which will fund the government until September. Now, I'm glad for the military they'll have certainty at least for a year, and they need five, but let's say for a year. But get a continuing resolution. There's a reason why the American people turned the House over to Republicans. Kevin McCarthy wants to be the next speaker. Cut 19. Think about what else we could put in this appropriation bill. We could put in about securing the border. We could put in about energy independence. This IRS is actually agents. ability to ledger. Exactly. But think about the Democrats have been in power. They've had the House, the Senate, and the presidency. And they didn't do this job. 
So why would Republicans help them now to put in the things they care about? Why not wait 21 days and let what the American public just said in the last election to have a new direction, to become energy independent, take away these 87,000 new IRS agents, make the border secure, let the parents have a say in their kids' education. You know what? Hold this government accountable at the same time. Why would uh, you do it in the middle of Christmas? It doesn't make any sense. You just do it. You do it if it's just from year to year. Mitch McConnell presiding over it again. I mean, just leave the House to do something productive. Now they have no say really in what goes on or leverage uh, until September. I'm sure that there'll be other opportunities, but none as great as funding the government past a continuing resolution that would force everybody to talk to each other past September. So I want to talk a little bit about FDX a little bit more. This guy, Sam Bankman-Fried, spent FDX funds on all types of real estate to the tune of $350 billion, million dollars, so in just pure real estate. So you want to get that back and get it to the investors who lost so much money. They say a million people lost money in this uh, phony crypto scam that he presided over with actually no uh, ethics no risk management team, no board to answer to. They were taking all this money in and spending it the way you wanted, including trying to buy up the Bahamas. So the government's saying, wait a second, uh, uh, before we, we put him in jail, we're going to hold him there until February 8th, even though he wants to get out. Get the, get the reason that he gave for wanting to get out of jail. He's a vegan and he has ADD. Okay, fine. Then everybody with ADD, please, you can leave prison. So the Caribbean, uh, so the Bahamas is saying this. He has... All this money, the $7 billion he lost, he has $350 million of it in real estate in Bahamas. They're saying, we want that, the, this, uh, this real estate back. We want to be able to sell it and make the money back because he's not paying it, so we're not having it. But if you're in bankruptcy, that's part of their assets, so they can't give it up. This is going to be an international problem. Just flat-out embezzlement, lack of ethics, and his parents know all about it. They are also elite Stanford professors. They know what's right and wrong. They would have been able to earmark it, but instead they get to hang out with Giselle and Tom Brady and Shaquille O'Neal and Kevin O'Leary, and all life is really good. No, it isn't. He, your son's in jail in his corduroy shorts and his bad T-shirts and his horrible hair. I love the cover of the New York Post. Harry Plotter, Brian Kilmeade Show. News headquarters in New York City. Always seeking solutions, never sowing division. It's Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the latest moment to the Brian Kilmeade Show, 1 866 We've got a busy hour coming your way, coming to you from 48th and 6th in Midtown Manhattan. Heard around the country, heard around the world. Oh, by the way, you could always get the podcast, BrianKilmeadeShow.com, especially if you're somebody who's got to travel uh, and it works better for your schedule. So uh, we're following a few stories. You know that whole uh, Grant Wall story, the tragedy of the 49 year old elite soccer writer? And his brother speculated that there was some foul play involved when he dropped dead after a World Cup game. Well, we just found out what it was. It was an aneurysm that was slowly building uh, and took his life. And that's why he was impossible to revive on the field. He complained about being exhausted. But that just came through. His wife just confirmed it. So let's get to the big three. 
Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. It was worse than we thought. I mean, you got big tech, big government, uh, big media all colluding to keep information from the American people. Uh, There you go. Uh, That is Jim Jordan, the Twitter files. Jack Dorsey tweets out why he did the things he did, the regrets that he had about the platform that he created, and what he hopes uh, that Musk will start to do. Number two. Do you think those should be returned to investors and customers who used FTX as opposed to donating now that he's yeah. accused of fraud? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think so. AOC says give the money back. Nobody else does. FTX fraudster is finally behind bars as the nation's nation spar investors wallow and celebrities scramble to cobble back billions that Sam Bankman Freed squandered at his creaky, creepy crypto, crypto boondoggle. Why so many Democrats are about to be under enormous pressure to give back the millions he supplied to their campaigns and their candidacies. Number one. A crush of migrants entering the U.S. in El Paso, Texas. Joan video shows them lined up at the river that separates the city from its Mexican neighbor, Juarez. Some 2,400 people sought to enter this country along that part of the border on Sunday alone. Really? Suddenly CBS realized we have a border problem? It's only going to get worse from here. Title 42 about to evaporate December 21st. Meanwhile, President Biden celebrates trans rights and same-sex marriage as well as interracial marriage on the White House lawn. What a joke. Is that, is that how he plans on stopping nine to 15,000 illegals from overwhelming our border patrol? I hope he's got a better plan than that. And with us right now, Lieutenant Colonel Allen West uh, calls Texas home, one-time Florida congressman, uh, Colonel, I, I was just offended as the president celebrating the legalization of interracial marriage and same-sex marriage. These are non-issues settled decades ago, and he's acting as if this has to be attended to while the border collapses? Yeah, it's pretty amazing. It's good to be with you, Brian, and uh, Merry Christmas. It reminds me of back in the days of uh, ancient Rome when uh, Commodus was the emperor and they started the thing called Panem et Circensis, bread and circuses. And it was all meant to distract the people while, you know, there were horrible things going on in Rome itself. And that's exactly what Joe Biden is doing. This is not an important issue, you know, same-sex marriage from the federal government. I mean, really, that's the state's responsibility. They're the ones that grant marriage licenses. But as Joe Biden said when he was taken off to Arizona and Peter Ducey asked him, you know, are you going to visit the border? He said, no, there are more important things to do. So I guess a signing ceremony about trans rights is more important than the fact that we have millions of illegals that are coming across uh, this border. And with Title 42 set to uh, be lifted next week, you can just imagine what's going to happen and how horrible it is that the Biden administration is talking about pushing air marshals, taking them off of the aircraft in this incredibly busy travel season to send them down to the border, uh, that's not their task and that's not their purpose. So hopefully people will start to realize what is happening here, especially when you have one million gotaways. There are terrorists in that group. Here's, uh, here's Kamala Harris. She's in charge of the border. Listen to what she was talking about yesterday. Cut 22. For millions of LGBTQI plus Americans and interracial couples, this is a victory And it is part of a larger fight. The Dobbs decision reminds us that fundamental rights are interconnected, including the right to marry who you love, the right to access contraception, and the right... What is she even talking about? I mean, is there a bigger colossal waste of time embarrassment 
I mean, you would think we have nothing else going on in this country. No, you're absolutely right. And again, it's that shift away from what our constitutional rights are to this focus on their ideological rights. Look, in the Constitution, in Article 1, Section 8, it lists the 17 duties, responsibilities, purviews, jurisdictions of the federal government. I don't see anything about, you know, making sure that we have a right to be married. Uh, we have life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That's it. But when I think about the rights that we have in a sovereign nation and how this sovereign nation is supposed to be protected, these people are violating the Constitution. This is an incredible, impeachable offense, but no one is talking about it. Instead, once again, they're distracting us with all of these ceremonies about things that really they just don't matter to the American people right now. But they feel vindicated after this midterm election, so they're going to continue to go down this path. So uh, I want you to hear. Uh, I want you to hear, have an idea how bad things are at the border, uh, and how this administration is handling it. Here's Corinne Jean Pierre on what she's doing as between nine and as many as fifteen thousand expected to flood Texas, Arizona, New Mexico, and California. Cut to. Over the last 18 months, uh, DHS has deployed enhanced autom- automated processing system, automated sur- sur- surveillance towers, rescue beacons, and additional personnel to the sector. In addition to that, CBP has deployed additional agents support the sector. Uh, that's on top of the mobile processing units, medical screening personnel, and nearly 1,000 Border Patrol processing coordinate- coordinators DHS already had deployed in the area. Is, is, she, is she kidding? Should she, she that solve the problem? No, it's not solving a problem whatsoever. All you have to do is look and see what is happening. They're pouring across the border. You you saw Jake Sullivan, the uh, national security advisor, stand up there and talk about these systems and processes and, and, and things we're putting in place. There's nothing in place at the border. All you have to do is go down there yourself. All you have to do is listen to the Customs and Border Patrol agents who are really uh, becoming even more depressed because no one is supporting them. No one has their back. And we're just seeing the flood of illegal immigrants coming to this country. And on top of that, look at how the Democrats now want to allow these people illegally in our country to vote. So this is an undermining. You want to talk about a threat to democracy. That's a threat to democracy. That's a threat to our electoral process. Show me any other nation in the world that does not secure their borders, allows people to come in illegally, and then gives them the right to vote on top of all the taxpayer fund funded benefits that they're receiving as well. This is a travesty and this is a tragedy. And when you talk about what's happening in El Paso, run by a Democratic mayor, that city mm-hmm. has literally been overrun. People put him in office to take care of their needs. Instead, he is not even getting he's not even asking for a state of emergency, which would get him immediate funds from the Democratic administration because evidently they don't want to pay it. So he doesn't want to embarrass them by requesting it. That is a, del- a dereliction of duty if I've ever seen it. It's an incredible dereliction of duty. Remember, it was the El Paso mayor who was sending more buses of illegals to Chicago and New York and whatever. And then all of a sudden he got the phone call from up there in Washington, D.C., and you haven't had, heard another peep from him. So, again, these are people that are undermining our sovereignty, undermining our uh, republic, uh, and violating uh, the Constitution. They they are putting the American people in this country at an incredible risk, and they don't seem to care, and no one seems to be holding them uh, responsible. Should Kevin McCarthy be the next speaker? It's going to be tough. You know, I, I know Kevin. I, he was there as a minority uh, majority whip when I was in Congress. 
and he's got to convince the the members that he is going to stand up. He's going to fight. That's the most important thing, and he's going to be true to his word with all of these things that, that that he is saying, because uh, these next two years are going to be critical for the United States of America. And really, this is where you build the case for the 2024 election cycle, which over in the Senate, it very much so favors Republicans even more. Yeah. Uh, Congressman uh, Alan West, thanks so much. Great to talk to you. And I just want to say shout out to my wife. Today is her birthday. All right. How I can't even ask. I was going to say how old is no, she? No, you can't ask. <laughs> you get me killed, uh, man. <laughs> well, happy birthday. That's great. Uh, and you did the right thing. National Radio now knows. Uh, Colonel Alan West, so thank you so much. God bless. Bye-bye. All right. 1-866-408-7669. When we come back, I'll take your calls. Uh, this is The Brian Kilmeade Show. Educating. Entertaining. Enlightening. You're with Brian Kilmeade. A talk show that's real. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Do you think those should be returned to investors and customers who used FTX as opposed to donating now that he's accused of fraud? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I don't fault... I don't fault individuals, you know, or who were who donated those funds because I, I don't know if they had full transparency at that time because the, those donations were made like in the midst of that fallout. Uh, but I do believe that the rightful place, if anybody needs to make decisions about that in the future, uh, I do believe that the rightful place is for that money to be returned to the defrauded investors. Yeah, the problem another member of the squad was sitting there going, "No, I don't think so." Yeah, well, I'll think not necessarily. Yeah. Well, how are you going to feel? Just keep in mind, there's a lot of everyday people that invested in crypto. And I would say this, some people who make modest livings, you know, not impoverished, you make $200,000, $400,000, and you put maybe $100,000 into uh, FTX, uh, and you say to yourself, okay, uh, this, uh, this is worth it. Shaquille O'Neal's doing it. Tom Brady's doing it. Uh, we have every mate. We have Tony Blair sitting down with Bill Clinton. They believe in this guy. Let, let's be part of it. And they lose everything. Meanwhile, you know you got paid $15 million or your campaign got a whole lot of money. Are you going to hold on to that and truly be a servant of the people? Truly, you know, no one feels bad for rich people who got, got invest poorly. But average everyday people are pension funds. Evidently, a ton of pension funds, investment funds, municipal funds are invested in crypto. Listen. A lot of people think it's great. uh, You have Jamie Dimon, who thinks crypto and uh, a lot of great investors think crypto is something that should never be invested in and nothing real about it. But you take a risk when you invest. But they shouldn't be paid back, those people, those cops and firefighters in in some of those pension funds. Let's go to Laura listening online in Louisville. Hey, Laura. Hi. Um, So I was listening to you guys this morning on Fox and Friends, and – when I forget the guy that you were talking to, but so they found like a big dump of money into the Democratic Party, right? Well, yeah. my question is, how do they, you know, there's got to be a trace, maybe or maybe not, but I would love to know, like, how much of that money got slammed into the Warnock, you know, campaign and how much money went to this campaign. And, you know, I would love to know if this guy is like, you know, related to the Clintons. I mean, stuff like that. So how are they going to be able to... Well, they were about to find out, Karen. Excuse me, Laura. They were about to find out. He was going to testify and come clean. And the first thing he was going to say is, I effed up. 
and then he was going to answer all questions via Zoom. And he's on know, his whole tour, so. and now they stopped it. Stopped. Yeah, and I think that's why they stopped it, because they don't want these names being dropped. Possibly. Uh, I think that's what most people have concluded. So this guy gets away with it to a degree, and I think other cryptocurrencies are, are struggling now because people don't want to invest and are wondering how much they're there, how much actual cash is backing up this investment. So we'll see where that goes, and we'll see, uh, obviously, uh, there's a class action suit against all those celebrity endorsers, and you have to watch what you do. And One of the greatest guys in sports, as I mentioned, is Keel O'Neill. Love the guy. He is as ethical as it gets. I think he's as honest on and off the air as he, he helps a ton of people you'll never hear about. I look for him to take the lead. I'm sure he's worried about the case. If he comes out and apologizes, it fuels a class action suit that could cost everybody billions of dollars. So I think he's got to watch himself. But listen to what the Wolf of Wall Street said, Jordan Belfort. He was on last night uh, about this whole scam. Cut seven. I didn't have any money at FTX. I think the whole concept of like what FTX represented, which is a brokerage firm that's, you don't know how they're holding your money. It's overseas. And even his domestic operations in the U.S. were really lightly regulated. So I didn't lose money. It was, listen, you know, I will admit, though, that not that I was fooled by it, but, you know, you'd have no way of knowing how much fraud someone is committing unless you can look inside their books. The people that actually did due diligence they actually should have their heads examined because if I would have walked into this place and taken one look around, it would have taken me five seconds flat to say something amiss here. Because the guy's sitting there in a beanbag chair, uh, crying poverty, wearing sandals, bad T-shirt, no comb, and you wonder where the where's the, there? Where's your board? Uh, where's you, you know where's who who do you answer to? Joe Jordan Belfort is a guy that been through it before. We're trying to get him for this weekend. I think he'd be great. But I just think about the average person. I don't think about rich people not being as rich as they want to be. I just think about average people taking some money, their investment money, and saying, this looks too good. I mean, why else would Giselle and Tom Brady hop on TV? Why would they be offering Taylor Swift $100 million if this wasn't something to get these credible people and put their credible credibility on the line? I worry about those people. Here's Olivia Beavers on this legislation. She's from Politico. And on the legislation that uh, Bankman Freed was involved in being uh, being tainted now. Cut 10. What is interesting about this story is just how entangled politicians were with, uh, you know, Bankman Freed. Uh, he had given millions, so had his close associates at FTX. And there's questions about whether Congress and these lawmakers could have moved faster about, you know, looking at how the cryptocurrency is very unregulated and the, and the practices that they've had. And there's even been instances where he's been involved in legislation, including oversight of crypto. And you know, I was talking to Wagner before she went on, and I said, do you, do you think that that makes, like, legislation possibly tainted? And, uh, you know, there's a belief that from some lawmakers on the Hill that it does. So yeah. they're going to be looking at something that, that has already been passed. Wow. Uh, I mean, I don't—I can't get in deep into crypto. I just don't have the background. But I'm just astounded by the, the length of the theft— 
and the lack of ethics when he was painting himself just the opposite. I want to become rich in order to help other people. I want to give to this fund. And, oh, the, these great politicians, these powerful people, uh, they're all investing with me. And I want to get their money and inspire them to give to others. And next thing you know, he's actually robbing people, taking investment money, buying property in the Caribbean, giving it to his girlfriend to invest in a hedge fund that had no money behind it. He's like, yeah, you know, that little surprise to find out I put a billion dollars in and they really don't have any money there. What? You did what? Did you check with anybody? Do you even check with your parents? At one point, do you get up in the morning and say, wait a second, if, if, and he must be to a degree, he's not a moron. He's not handicapped. You know, he's not dealing with some affliction. He must sometime get up in the morning and go, you know, what if the bottom falls out of this? What if people know what I'm up to? I mean, did he even tell his parents what he was doing? Did his parents with their their rich academic background and their financial background, at least the dad does, who was, I think, one of, and technically an employee? You know, what do you think they sat down and said, wait a second. You know, you're sitting here doing all these big things, doing these big investments. Where is the money? And what are you putting it in? And why isn't there somebody to protect you? Why don't we have a major accounting firm working for you? Somebody that would sign along with you on the stuff that you're doing. But it is a political story, and John Roberts will be on to talk about that. Uh, along with the president, former president of the United States, uh, losing by about 20 points in the latest poll to Ron DeSantis. I know how things change, and I know how weird polls are these days. But it's significant that he's not winning a Republican primary. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. Welcome back. John Roberts with us, co-anchor of America Reports. Appreciate you being here, John. Hey, Brian. Always good to be with you. Hey, uh, first off, uh, just I, I think you can relate to the reporting aspect of it. The news about Grant Wall, 49 years old, very esteemed sports writer, soccer specifically, but did, did everything. At 49, they find out, guy's in great shape, but he has an aneurysm and dies on the spot. Uh, this, unfortunately, is exactly the same thing that my mother-in-law died from uh, just a little bit more than a year ago. And it's one of those things that uh, unless you catch it uh, through a CT scan or you're looking for something else and you come across it, it really doesn't give you any symptoms and until many times it's it's too late. You, you have an aneurysm, uh, you have a, an aortic dissection, and you're gone within seconds. So unless he'd had some sort of scan that would have identified the aortic aneurysm, and I don't know if it was in his ascending aortic, uh, his ascending aorta, or his thoracic aorta, or abdominal. I, I don't know, but it's the sort of thing that once it, it lets go, it starts ripping apart. You've got seconds, and that's about it. The other big story, and that you have a perspective on, is being at another news outlet from CBS to CNN, and I'm wondering how CBS and CNN get up in their news meetings uh, with their editors and say, let's not do the border and let's not do Twitter. I think there's something with a Trump scandal or January 6th. I flip around. I, I imagine you do, too. From what you've known about this business, is this capturing you by surprise? No, it's it's unfortunately it's, it's not. You know, I, I spent a lot of years at both of those places and the inherent editorial bias wasn't particularly uh, noticeable to me at the time because I just had an idea of, well, that's how it is. 
but then when I came to Fox and, and uh, you know, I was I was shown the opposite side of the coin, I thought, oh, my gosh, the leftward tilt uh, among most of the mainstream media is so glaringly obvious. But when you're embedded in it, you don't necessarily see it. You know, you can't see the forest for the trees. It's the old adage. But the fact that they're ignoring the border and that they're ignoring the Twitter files means that they're ignoring very big news stories. I mean, the fact that you've got uh, city officials in El Paso begging the Biden administration to do something about this as 1,500 to 2,000 people simply walk across the border on Sunday night. And remember, Corinne Jean-Pierre said, nobody's walking across the border. Well, hello, reality check. Yes, they are. But people don't see this as, as a, 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 a social problem in terms of dealing with social services and the cost of that and a potential national security problem because there may be nefarious people who are coming in, if not coming in with asylum seekers. They are running across the border, some of these gotaways, the narco-traficantes who are bringing tens and tens of millions of dollars uh, worth of fentanyl into this country, which, as we have seen, is, is so deadly. For people just to ignore the national security and cost aspect and impact on society of this, to me, is just stunning. I just I just can't believe that there's they're saying this is not a story. Right. I, I want you to hear Andy Big said on Fox and Friends first this morning. Cup five. We can't even get them to admit that there, there is a, a problem on the border. Some of them say that it's it's absolutely okay. The only there's only one Democrat that I know of that's talking about that. But I mean just just to your point, they're they're gonna start releasing into the community in Yuma as well. They have a facility that they put up twelve holds twelve hundred people, but most days has over three thousand people. And there's only one NGO, small facilities. The hospital there is being overrun by people being released into the community who just pop up into their ER, into their maternity room. So this is going on all along the border, and uh, and it's going to be spreading throughout the entire country. It has to because there's just millions of people that are flooding the border. But and, and the thing is, it's not with the same story. And I tell you, I get frustrated just looking at the stats and seeing Bill Malusian's tweets and video. But now we have something. We have the 21st as a deadline. And all you have to do is let people know you're not going to get in, and that would get that would handle a lot of the problem. No pressure on Mexico for their southern border. No pressure on these other countries. That the first country you step into, that's where you apply to get in. And now they're saying, okay, we'll finish the fence and get this, John. There's a report the administration's considering stopping all acceptance of asylum claims for five months. Excuse me? This is about to dissipate in four days. What are you waiting for if that's your plan? You know, Andy Biggs said that there's only one Democrat who's making any noise about this. We just happen to have that Democrat, Henry Cuellar, on our show this afternoon. So if you, you want to see where he is at with, with that, uh, be sure that you tune in. The, the idea that the Biden administration would even entertain suspending asylum claims for five months is, I think, a pretty glaring uh, indication of how serious this problem is, even though they won't admit that there's a problem. I think they're looking down the road to 2024 and saying, if 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 we have – millions more people coming into this country after Title 42 comes off than we had with Title 42 on. That is going to be a significant political problem for us. When you look at the projections that, you know, you're getting maybe six, 7,000 people a day uh, right now, that that will increase to 14 to 15, maybe even 18,000 when Title 42 comes off. When you see these tent encampments in places like Matamoros, people just waiting for the 21st to come across the border, 
Brian, this this crisis that we've been experiencing that nobody in the administration will acknowledge is a crisis on the border will turn into a catastrophe. Border towns like El Paso and, and McAllen are going to be so overwhelmed they won't be able to deal with it. And then how do you deal with the problem? You you can't process all these people, so do you just let them go on the streets of El Paso and the streets of McAllen, other cities, Del Rio, or do you ship them elsewhere in the country? I mean, what what do you do? There are people who say that the only way to deal with this problem is to stop people from coming across. But this administration is not willing to do that. Yeah, I'm going to actually consider Henry Cuellar, by the way, great guy, uh, a great American. And he does things for the people that he represents, not for his party. And it got him primaried where he almost lost. And then in the general, he almost lost, but he prevailed. Mm-hmm. And and the thing is, he could be the greatest asset for this administration. He knows the people. He knows the players. He knows the he knows the Central and South American leaders. And by the way, while you're talking about McCallum, I'm going to be there if you want to join me on Saturday. Uh, KURV is one of our coveted affiliates. They're going to be hosting me seven ten a.m. If you want to be there, um, that's great. And by the way, it's sponsored you know, by there, Legal there, Power. There's, a, there, there, there's an amazing uh, a chain of tamale restaurants in McAllen, so make sure that you go there. I would never think that. The uh, name escape. The name escapes me at the moment, but they are out of this world. So uh, the other big story, uh, which I find fascinating, that you brought up that everyone's ignoring, is the Twitter story. And Jack Dorsey, to me, is the most befuddling figure. He was the one, by all accounts, who told Elon Musk, "Hey, buy this thing." You know, I really want you to, I'll support you buying this thing. And yet he's the one who's seen in this traffic, in this lot of this uh, email traffic and Slack traffic, uh, somebody, he's part of the hierarchy doing the shadow banning, maybe not hands-on daily, but he knew this stuff was going to be exposed, but yet he still would prefer to expose it. Elon, uh, by the way, the, the tamale uh, chain is called Delia's, so make sure okay. that you go there. They're, I will. Amazing. But, you know, Elon, Elon Musk has, has said that um, – Twitter was acting basically as an arm of the Democratic National Committee, which which it, you know, that's that's a convenient metaphor, I guess. But the connection between what Democrats were thinking and what Twitter was doing seems to be indelible. Uh, there is, you know, I we all knew that there was a leftward tilt to Twitter. I just didn't think that anybody, well, maybe a few people did, but I think the majority of us didn't realize just how far left Twitter really was uh, in terms of applying policy um, unequally across the board when it came to either liberal or conservative ideology. It really is quite stunning. And and the fact fact that Elon Musk is is taking a real risk here um, because he could potentially delegitimize Twitter in the eyes of so many people. But the fact that he has cast the, the light of transparency on all of this really is remarkable. So a couple of things. He's not paying his rent in San Francisco. I thought that's interesting. Uh, number two is Tesla's hurting because people see him as ideological now and they're maybe choosing mm-hmm. to sell or not buy their Tesla, <laughs> even though it's the best with their own terminals. Can you imagine the electric car that's not liberal enough for progressives? It's a cra- it's crazy. Because, <laughs> it is, isn't it? Uh, when he came out and said, listen, um, I have an electric car company, but we need oil and gas. Uh, that's began, And he was never invited to the White House with this administration when they did all their uh, – the, the ESG meetings that they had. But here's one of the uh, some of the quotes from Jack Dorsey's letter, uh, his biggest mistake. He said, the biggest mistake I made was continuing to invest in building tools for us to manage the public conversation versus building tools for people using Twitter to easily manage it for themselves. This burdened the company with too much power and opened it to significant outside pressure, such as advertising and budgets. I would think political pressure is for that. 
Uh, he says, on removing Trump's accounts, I generally think companies have become far too powerful, and that become completely clear to me with our suspension of Trump. As I've said before, we did the right thing for the public company business at the time, but the wrong thing for the Internet and society. I continue to believe there was no ill intent or hidden agenda, and everything act, uh, every, everyone acted according to the best information we had at the time. They suspended him for saying 75 million patriots will not will have their voices heard. They said mm-hmm. that was too. That was a bridge too far. Well, you know, it's, many people believe that the antidote to misinformation is more information, but that's not the way that the uh, the brain trust that Twitter saw. It. They thought that the antidote to what they believed or wanted to be misinformation was to simply expunge it from the from the platform. But then when you start doing that and you compartmentalize it down to one or two people who get to make that decision and ignore the recommendations of the process that you've put in place, uh, then you have people wielding absolute power over the platform, and that is not healthy for democracy. Is the former president losing the power as the dominant player on the right? Evidently, even behind the scenes, he's trying Ooh, to help Kevin yeah. McCarthy. And he's not able to move people like Andy Biggs off the anti-McCarthy bandwagon. And now you see a poll that shows him trailing uh, Governor DeSantis by 20 points. What do you think, John? Well, you're really inviting me to, uh, <laughs> to, to have a lot of people criticize me. But, you know, politics and polls are, are, you know, snapshots of moments in time. At this moment in time, it would seem that Ron DeSantis has got the momentum. But it's a long time between now and 2024. And could DeSantis falter and Donald Trump become ascendant again? Uh, who knows? But there's no question that between the lack of success that the former president had putting his candidates forward in the general election on November the 8th. And and what we're seeing just in terms of Republicans now thinking, well, maybe it's time to move on from Donald Trump, that at that the moment uh, he doesn't seem to have the same cachet that he had before. But again, that, that could change. It could. The only thing I, I, I look at now is a lot of his allies seem to be getting in. Pence, we know there was a fracture, mm-hmm. but now we're seeing that Pompeo looks like all, you know, all engines are forward. And now we see that maybe Ted Cruz could be rethinking it. And then, you know, the only person who said for sure, I'm out, I have a young family, we, I don't want to do it, is Tom Cotton. There right. could be a flood of people. Maybe Marco Rubio gets in. And uh, Cotton happens to be on our program today as well. Uh, we're not going to talk to him about that because he's made his intentions clear, but there's plenty else to Did talk Did I book to him your show well. today? <laughs> well, if you didn't, you probably read the booking note, right. uh, which, which, which is typical for you, Brian, because you always want to know where the pieces of the puzzle are. Absolutely. Uh, it's wide open in 2024. So why wouldn't people get in? Why why wouldn't they test the waters at the very least? You know, could could Pence potentially win over the conservatives? Yeah, but will he win over the Donald Trump wing of the party? Likely not, uh, because they still blame him for the fact that the president President Trump is not president now, because he wouldn't you know overturn the will of the electoral college on January the sixth. Um, Marco Rubio could he take another swing at it potentially? You know, there's a lot of people who I think want to get in. I think that DeSantis is looking at this saying, you know, we could wait until 2028, but the time is probably ripe to do it now. And with this latest poll showing that he's uh, ahead of Trump by a substantial margin, you know, that might uh, influence his thinking. But I don't want to tell you what to do. For, but For we... Republicans to not get in, I think, would probably be a mistake because you want to have a healthy field. 
And the other thing is, too, I talked to Governor Jeb Bush yesterday. It's going to be on uh, Saturday, and, and we'll have stuff up on the radio. And, and uh, also we're doing a, doing a feature, Who is Ron DeSantis, without the subject. That's the whole gist of the feature. And he just, he's just very impressed with, with the guy he's seen, the guy he golfs with, and, and, the, and he believes he should run and is the favorite and basically has his endorsement. And, you know, that whole Chris Christie thing, you have a window, you think it's going to be open forever. Obviously, with the bridge gate or whatever, it wasn't open for Chris Christie again. Maybe it will be open. But that's what I think Ron DeSantis also has to be thinking about. I'm 44. I have time. But will the circumstances ever be the same again? Yeah, and and I think that's going to factor into his calculation. The fact that you bring up Jeb Bush is supporting Ron DeSantis, that is an indication that despite the fact that he's seen as a fire-breathing conservative in the model of Donald Trump, that he probably could win over the establishment wing of the Republican Party. And in order to become the president, you've got to have it all. You've got to have conservatives. You've got to have the Donald Trump wing of the party. You've got to have the establishment wing of the party as well. And then you've got to be able to attract a healthy segment of independence. And he seemed to be able to do that uh, with great success uh, when he won again uh, the governor's race, even winning deep blue Miami-Dade County and so many Hispanic voters that he looks like a pretty model candidate at the moment. We'll see if it lasts. Lastly, for you, you're not not doing the, the beat, the 24-hour beat with President Trump, which was as, as challenging a, a beat as you can have. But you do, you kill it in the afternoon. You, you're hosting all around. How do you like your new lifestyle? Uh, the new lifestyle is uh, it, it's it's an it's an interesting change. I mean, I loved covering the White House. It was the biggest news story in the world, and I said that during the 2016 election. I said if Donald Trump wins, covering the White House is going to be the most interesting journalistic exercise uh, of any of of the potential beats out there. Uh, I, I I miss covering the White House. It's great to be at the nexus of power, but I love what Sandra and I are doing in the afternoon. So do I, and so does America. Uh, John Roberts, always great. We always appreciate having you on, Brian. We'll see you on Friday. Oh, that'll be awesome. And I always appreciate coming on. When we come back, I'll take your calls, 1-866-408-7669, and go more into this FDX. Go more into what Jack Dorsey wrote. And are you buying it? For some reason, there's something about Jack Dorsey that I think is authentic and I don't think is out to get the right or left, even though he clearly is to the left. What do you think? Brian Kilmeade Show. Both sides, all opinions. It's Brian Kilmeade. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Uh, 1-866-408-7669. Listening on WHIO. We'll be on with them tomorrow morning. Brian in Ohio. Hey, Brian. Good morning, Brian. What's on your mind? Well, I love listening to your show and uh, appreciate you getting me on. And um, main thing is about the border. You know, with this um, starting to end next week, as far as uh, it's getting worse, Brian, and it seems like nobody else cares, right? Besides us, does it bother people in Ohio? It sure does. And, you know, the thing I see with uh, the, the the Republican Party, it's almost like we're, you know, there's so many things going on. We're almost get too many issues. Right. You know, uh, you know, must now with Twitter and everything. And I realize that's important. But if we don't stop this, it's like my grandfather was a World War One vet. Dad fought in World War Two. And I'm going all the things that those people fought for. We got veterans 
that are homeless, that are struggling, and we are pumping money into illegals and letting them come across. And, and this is going to destroy our country. I worry about our kids and what's going on. And exactly, Brian. Do you know in California they're going to start giving free health care to them? Do you understand what that does? If you're sitting there in Ecuador wondering where your next meal is coming from, get yourself to California. You get free housing, a nice gift bag, and now free health care. Do they understand it's a magnet? It's not compassion. It's putting everybody except America first. It's nuts. And until they pay at the ballot box, it'll continue. And they didn't pay in the midterms. From the Fox News Radio Studios in Midtown Manhattan, it's the fastest growing radio talk show. Brian Kilmeade. From 48th and 6th in Midtown Manhattan, heard around the country, around the world, this is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Uh, So glad you're here. Uh, We're going to be joined this hour uh, by Dana Perino, who I've met in person, and Blake Manley in about 10 minutes and talk about the the need to get back to work as a country. Uh, We'll discuss that and how many people actually want to sweat for a living. And listen, I know we talk about full employment. What I focus on is the 10 million open jobs and not the 3% unemployment. Knowing that there's 10 million open jobs, it makes me wonder why anybody is unemployed and why you're not being flexible with your skill set or why there isn't such an urgency to get a job. I think it's because the social safety net is so firm and so pervasive. Uh, Let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. It was worse than we thought. I mean, you got big tech, big government, uh, big media all colluding to keep information from the American people. Yeah, there you go. Jim Jordan, Twitter files. Jack Dorsey tweets out things he would have done different on the platform that he created uh, as we await a sixth wave of releases. This time it promises to talk about the squelching of all views, anti-Fauci when it comes to COVID-19. Number two. Do you think those should be returned to investors and customers who used FTX as opposed to donating now that he's accused of fraud? Yeah, absolutely. Of course, you recognize that voice. FTX fraudster is finally behind bars as a nation's spar. Investors wallow. Celebrities scramble to gobble back billions from Sam Bankman Freed, the criminal. He squandered in his creepy crypto boondoggle. Why so many Democrats are about to be under enormous pressure to give back the millions he supplied them. And I get the sense there's so much more we're about to learn. Number one. A crush of migrants entering the U.S. in El Paso, Texas. Joan video shows them lined up at the river that separates the city from its Mexican neighbor, Juarez. Some 2,400 people sought to enter this country along that part of the border on Sunday alone. Wow. Guess what? There's a border crisis. Why is CBS just realizing this? It beats me. It's it's only going to get worse from here. Title 42 evaporates. In one week. Meanwhile, President Biden celebrates trans rights and same-sex marriage. And oh, guess what? Interracial marriage is allowed now. That was the farcical scene on the White House freezing lawn yesterday with Lady Gaga and Cindy Lauper. Cindy Lauper, for all I know, sings one song, um, True Colors. And I don't know what that means for her, but she had to be there. I also know she also has uh, dry skin dryness, right? Doesn't she? Doesn't she also have a product for skin dryness. I'm going to look into that. I'm going to put my best person on it. So give you an idea of what was going on on Capitol Hill yesterday. While the border breaks, while our border patrol, we had like three suicides, 14 for the year. We have so many who are just quitting the job on the spot. Certainly not appreciated. You cannot pay them enough. They say they're going to get force, uh, going to force uh, pilots now, not pilots, air traffic uh 
who is going to be going down there now to actually have to help out at the border? I've totally forgot. They, they're sending a whole group down there. Uh, they were helping out on airplanes and now going to be going down there. So meanwhile, this is what, yeah, air marshals are going to be forced to go down and start acting as Border Patrol agents and processing these families against their will. A lot of them are saying, I'd rather quit. And a lot of them are just quitting rather than doing it. So to give you an idea, was a border getting busted, about 8,000 coming illegally. We're watching Bill Malusian tweet out, 1,000 got up on Sunday and walked through. Listen to the President of the United States. Cut 20. He is also... We need to challenge the hundreds of callous, cynical laws introduced in the states targeting transgender children, terrifying families, and criminalizing doctors who give children the care they need. We have to protect these children so they know they are loved and we will stand up for them and say they can seek for themselves. Right, yes. Get get tiny kids, get little kids to become men or, or, excuse me, boys instead of girls or girls instead of boys. We got to go protect them for that. It's about keeping the parents out, poisoning their minds with drag shows and children's books that they never should have been reading. And why the old Joe Biden, when he was sane, would never have tolerated this. Why is he always yelling? Tucker Carlson last night, Cut 21. It's pretty interesting when you think about it. So this is a bill signing affirming the legality, legalizing once again gay marriage, which most people support in this country. Should people get married if they love each other? Yeah, they should. That's fine. Not that controversial a point at this stage. But here's Joe Biden using that opportunity to promote gender-affirming care for kids. And, of course, that means the sexual mutilation of children, cutting the breasts off 15-year-olds, sterilizing them for life with chemicals. That's what Boston Children's Hospital and many other hospitals have been doing. Puberty blockers. Have fun with osteoporosis when you're 30. So why would Joe Biden be promoting that, apart from the fact certain special interest groups want him to? Again, this was supposed to be about gay marriage, but here you have Joe Biden, the president of the United States, purportedly pushing child sexual mutilation. Yeah, Kamala Harris comes out about interracial marriage. And then they also brought up anti-lynching. Look, lynching was a terrible part of America's past. But can I just circle the word past? Why is this a priority? It's not happening in this country. If it does happen, it's international news because it doesn't happen. Cut 24 is Schumer, Harris, and Biden celebrating something. Cut 24. The Senate succeeded in taking long overdue action by passing the Emmett Till Anti-Lynching Act. Hallelujah. Congress has finally declared lynching a federal crime. Well, now that Democrats have stopped with the Ku Klux Klan, it's not nearly as big of an issue as it used to be, the Democratic leader, Senator Schumer. Here is Tucker responding to the idiocy of this legislation, which is not needed, but there is so much needed around the country while you celebrate 7% inflation. Cut 25. After all these years, there are a lot of people who are for lynching, but we held off the pro-lynching lobby and we got this through the Congress. We've improved your life. Really, where are all these lynchings? Where are all these racial acts of terror committed by white supremacists? Search the Internet for them. You will see some racial acts of terror. Hard to find a lot committed by white supremacists. Any, maybe. Where are the numbers on that? How many racial attacks by white supremacists have there been in the last couple of years? Maybe there have been a lot. We're not familiar with that. We're not aware that that actually happened. Pretty sure it didn't actually happen. We do know that nooses have appeared in various places. 
Do you remember that? There was one at the construction site of Barack Obama's new presidential library. Maybe that's what they're talking about. They offered a six-figure award to catch the person who tied rope in a forbidden shape. But no culprit was ever found. How weird. Then there was that noose in the NASCAR garage. Then there was a noose around Jussie Smollett's neck. Is that the lynching they're banning? The funny thing is, you know that's not real. And most people know it's not real. Why are they continuing to say this? Well, because as actual problems, real problems mount, and they have no answer and no solution, and they're trying to dodge culpability for creating those problems in the first place, they have to double down on fake problems. We're banning lynching. I mean, and no one laughed? It's unbelievable. It's sickening. Uh, I'm so tired of it. And I just can't believe it. If this was October, I'd say these guys are trying to lose the election. But it's December, and they didn't. They lost the House, but not the Senate, and picked up a seat. And President Biden is now so confident of his reelection, it looks like he is going to run. Even though the majority of his party doesn't want him to, no one can stop him. Because he's looked at in the Democratic circles as a success for doing idiotic things like this. It's insane. While presiding over a Congress that's going to do an omnibus bill in the lame duck session that's going to allow him to jam, and I guess Republicans too, to jam in all types of spending bonanzas and boondoggles that we never would have passed through committee. And that's why Kevin McCarthy, who expects to be Speaker, and I expect him to be, says, why are you doing this? And Mitch McConnell's not stopping it. Speaking of Mitch McConnell, when asked why they don't have the Senate, not so much that he and Rick Scott were fighting, couldn't get on the same page on just about anything, not the fact that he wasted so much money on Murkowski and none on Blake Masters. And although I think Trump should have definitely spent more, once again, Mitch McConnell's providing over a Senate that should have been his and isn't. And he points fingers, cut 26. We ended up having a candidate quality time. And if you look at Arizona, look at New Hampshire, and a challenging situation in Georgia as well. Our ability to control the primary outcome was quite limited in 22 because of the support of the former president proved to be very decisive in these primaries. Uh, Hopefully in the next uh, cycle, we'll have quality candidates everywhere and a better outcome. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, A lot of people are happy uh, that want Trump there. They made a difference, but I do think he was damaged on his midterms. As Carrie Lake lost, as Blake Masters lost, as Dr. Oz lost, and Herschel Walker lost. Uh, I don't think Mastri- – and Mastriano lost. He was uh, actually a train wreck of a candidate. All right, so when we come back, uh, we've got a special guest coming your way that's going to talk about reaffirming the need to work uh, and the need to, uh, and, and the need to uh, get back into the trades. Break, uh, Blake Manley will be here, uh, creator of Manly Jobs. Don't move. Giving you everything you need to know. You're with Brian Kilmeade. If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Joining me now is Blake Manley, creator of Manly Jobs. He talks about the importance of trade jobs. We've been talking about this with uh, Mike Rowat, John Ratzenberger, too, uh, of the of fame of Cheers fame. Uh, as like, talks about logging in particular, as logging compares face workers, uh, uh, logging companies face worker shortages about seven thousand two hundred a year. Uh, the University of Idaho is now offering relief with a new degree path. Uh, Blake Manley joins us now. Blake, welcome. Hi. Good morning, Brian. Thank you for having me. So, what prompted Blake? First off, what is your background? 
So I grew up as a logger kid um, in Eastern Oregon. My dad's been a logger for 50 years. And then I got into education and, and found a job teaching forestry to high school students, um, 9 through 12, at a little uh, high school called Sweet Home in, in Western Oregon. So you start doing that. So you realize what about your industry and about where the where the blue collar workforce is going? Well, we we realized several years ago that we were aging. And then a few years back, they did a study and they found that 40 percent of the loggers specifically, not just the timber industry, but the loggers in the West are over the age of 60. And so that gets to be pretty scary when you look at, okay, if they're over the age of 60 in 10 years, they're either going to be gone, retired, or gone, gone, and who's going to replace them? And so the state of Oregon actually started dumping some money into career technical education, CTE, which is the trades, um, but that's more of a technical term for it. And one of those areas that they they were putting the money was into forestry education. So we went from six programs that were teaching some sort of forestry education in 2015 to today, we have 45 different programs around the state that teach forestry and natural resources to our 9th through 12th graders, just giving them a look at a different career path that they're not seeing in the everyday classroom. So what's the result been? The result's amazing, actually. Um, In my community individually, we ran a job fair last spring. We're, we have about 650 in our high school. We did a job fair for just what I do, forestry and natural resources, and we placed 25 kids into the industry. Now, that might not seem like a ton, but for a small community, filling 25 jobs where kids would normally fumble their way through was a really big deal. And so from the small snapshot of Sweet Home, we've had a positive effect. So that's great. And these are jobs that pay well, right? These jobs say amazing, Brian. That's the thing that I don't think people understand is two things that have, have changed over the last, you know, 50 years. One of them is the jobs start out between 22 and $30 an hour. But my friend that just got out of doing what he was doing before and went into logging made a, almost $100,000 last year as a logger. So that job pays really well. And it's not your grandpa's logging. It's not I'm going to sweat and and it's extremely dangerous. There's still a danger factor. There always will be. But you're in a cab now. Most of it is mechanized. Most of it is running a piece of machinery and your boots are off the ground and you're you're in a cab. So Blake Manley, our guest, he's the author and creator of Manly Jobs. Blake, are you worried overall like the Mike Rose of the world or – about people just running from the trades. We manufacturing left and so did any interest in becoming a blue collar worker in America to a degree. I'm terrified, Brian. I'm, I'm absolutely terrified. I see it all the time. The little snapshot that I do with high school stuff is great. What the university of Idaho is doing by offering a two year program is great, but I see it as a as a huge gap right now. I mean, Mike got on the other day and said that there's 10 million open jobs right now, and unemployment's only 7 million people. So we're still way out of whack and not able to fill all those jobs. And people got to realize that if we don't have loggers, we don't have lumber mills, we're not toilet paper. I mean, something as simple as that, you know, that comes from the forestry industry. And when we don't have people cutting down trees, 
and replanting them and doing all that. We don't have some basic essentials. I think so. And did you think that growing up for you, was that ever an issue that you thought you'd be looking at right now? No way. No, I I never looked at this and said, you know, 20 years from now when I graduate from high school, we're going to have a massive logger shortage. You know, my dad talked all the time about how the workforce was aging throughout the late 90s and then the 2000s. And people are discouraged from going to into a job like that, into any of the jobs, welding, fabrication, all that. It was you go to college or you're not going to be worth anything. And we just know that's not the case today, but I, I never imagined that. At Sweet Home last year, 63% of the students that walked in my room, seniors that had walked in my room, did not go to a four-year college. They went on to higher education in different ways, whether it was a trade school yeah. or a two-year or something, but not the typical four-year. You know what I think you need? I think just like the, just, just the stop smoking campaign, uh, you know, the stop texting and driving campaign, you need a positive campaign on a blue-collar, the image of a blue-collar worker, just like the military does in order to get recruits in, time, in peaceful times. And I think the same thing, because parents feel pressure from other parents to make sure their kid, when he graduates or she graduates, is going on to a four-year school. If they say, well, my kid's going to be a plumber, that's suddenly not looked at with great pride, and it should be. It should be because that plumber is going to have no debt and that plumber is going to own their house before the university student. And that plumber is going to be the one that they call to fix their problem. And I think that's that's hugely vital right now. And we don't we don't do what you're talking about. We don't make it flashy and nice. That's what we kind of started doing with manly jobs is, you know, during COVID, I would follow around different people, mainly in the forestry industry. But we went with Knife River in the construction industry as well and we would look at them and we'd show people hey these jobs are good jobs yeah. these people are enjoying themselves it's a good it's a good life i mean it's almost like for one thing anyone who's ever a firefighter they always talk about the camaraderie the minute you do you never want to stop it and you never want to forget when you do retire there's the same camaraderie that can be built in these blue collar situations and you know better than me but i've heard it with logging specifically you become like a team out there you, you become like a family out there. It's it's one step further. Like the, the guys that I broke into the woods with when I was first coming out of high school, they're like family. And, and when they pass away, you know, we all go to the funeral. It's like a family reunion. Gotcha. You know, and, and the scary thing is, is that's where that workforce is at. Now we get together for family reunions, logger reunions. Gotcha. At services. Blake, thanks so much. Creator of Manly Jobs. Find out more. Blake Manly, thanks for what you're doing. Radio that makes you think. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. All right, we are back. Dana Perino in studio. Dana, you reminded me that we have a big uh, Christmas party tonight. Oh, yeah. Right, and you're giving the toast? With Hemmer. Now, is it on prompter, or are you going to have to add a little? Because <laughs> I, Let me just tell you, my toast will be real short. Because nobody wants to hear us speak. Oh, I think they do. I think a toast thanking everybody. I mean, we've had Fox News, Fox Media has had an incredible year, and I think that our bosses do a great job of giving us a chance to celebrate that. I and mean, it's hard when you have twenty four seven news channel, right? You have to every somebody's always having to work. Absolutely. And you don't get a lot of time off, but they pick moments where we can get together and 
raise a glass, and um, I think it'll be fun tonight. We stopped it for a while. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you were you, you. In the beginning, we did it every year. I never got to go there to was the, a news. I court. heard the. I heard those were wild and fun and amazing. I I, yeah. I came after that. <laughs> I remember two things. We used to have a News Corp party, then there would be a Fox party, and then you have the show parties. Mm-hmm. So it would be a big thing, and then Jesse they stopped Waters it. was telling me about um, some parties he went to when he was 26. You know, he started here very young. Right. And it sounded like a little wild. Well, I was with Jesse at a White House Correspondence Dinner post-party. Believe it or not, it was MSNBC post-party. That got out of control. Oh, I remember that. I was, I was not there, that? but I remember what happened. Yeah. Right. But mm-hmm. I'm just saying, maybe it's Jesse. <laughs> it could be. <laughs> maybe it that, could be. Maybe and you're going to be on the five tonight. I'm going to be on the five tonight. It's going to be great. And then on Friday, I'm really excited about me this. Too. You told me about this this great bookstore, and then we bounced off the publishers. Next thing you know, it's booked, and it's Friday night. It's Friday night. And so it's um, in Point Pleasant Beach, New Jersey, which is uh, kind of my hometown now. Um, I love the Jersey Shore. I'm so excited you're coming. Let me tell you, the people who live in the area are thrilled that you're coming. This is Fox Territory. Okay, great. And I love independent bookstores. I know you do too. I do. I mean, and look, all bookstores are great. Like buy books, read books, read books wherever you can. But my New Year's resolution last year was to not buy any books on Amazon if I could help it. And I, you know, I read a lot. Yeah. And so this bookstore called the Little Point Bookshop is right there on Arnold Avenue on the downtown in the downtown spot. Any book you want, you can call it. Can you get this for me? Yep, I'll have it to you by Saturday. And they do great events. The owner is Kelly Crivelli, and she works in publishing herself and then added this bookstore because she just loves having a bookstore in the community. So I have the President of Freedom Fighter out on paperback. So we have uh, paperbacks going to be down there. And if we fall short, we got hardbacks that will come over. Mm-hmm. So we'll, uh, we'll work it out. Now, you... Mm. The next day, I got to go to McAllen, Texas. So I got to be on an early plane. That's that's. But but even though you have to be on an early plane, you'll be getting up later than you usually do. True. So uh, look at it that way. I, I, for an extra forty, <laughs> I'll be sleeping an extra forty-five minutes. But I also know the ends in sight because now we have Christmas, and then yeah. uh, the book tour will be done. But it's, it's good to be able to talk to people about history and a rare victory. I don't know if you talked about it on the five because I missed your show yesterday. But to see the Columbus statue in Philadelphia get unboxed. We've been watching our this. history. Listen to this. We've been watching our history being taken apart mm-hmm. and Confederate statues coming down. And we can argue maybe that's separate. But Columbus is you know, war on Columbus over the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. Well, in Philadelphia, a judge ruled we had no right. They had no right to box it up. It was given in 1876. Take it down and let Christopher Columbus display itself. And I believe Good. it's the beginning of... Uh, of, I think, a trend of snapping out of the woke I coma so. that we're in. I heard this crazy story down in Richmond, Virginia. You can imagine how many statues were down there, right? And there was a, a friend of a friend was on a commission that was a, to take care of the upkeep of all the statues in town. Well, guess what? They just disbanded the commission because there's no more statues to take care of. In Richmond. In Richmond. Um, years ago, when I turned 30, Peter took me on a trip to Budapest. And we both wanted to go there. Uh, Vishla's uh, are the national dog there, and I want that's what we had. So it was a natural to go there. And we met a guy who worked uh, for freedom during the Soviet occupation, and he worked on Radio Free Europe. And I asked him, I said, where are all the statues? Like, what happened? Did you destroy them? And he said, destroy them? No, we're not barbarians. Statues of Stalin. But they had. They're there. They, 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 it's called, like, Stalin Cemetery. And it's all the statues. They put them all in one place, and you can go and you can learn about the history, and you can see the statues, and you can learn. But they didn't destroy them. 
That's exactly it, because I could understand if I'm an African-American and I know, hey, these people that we're looking up at, well, mm-hmm. they fought to make sure that I stayed a slave. Yeah. I could understand it. I'm definitely sensitive to it. And but I think you can't destroy history. As Lindsey Graham told me as we walked through, I forgot the name of the park that overlooks Fort Sumter in South Carolina. He looked down and there was a plaque for the 54th Infantry that Denzel Washington portrayed in glory. Mm-hmm. And then he say, looked up and there was a uh, Confederate statue. He goes, they weren't bad people. They were wrong. Those are the people who lived in their time. And he said, I, I am for leaving that up, but making the 54th plaque bigger. And I thought the 60 Minutes feature from about a year or a year and a half ago said you put a plaque next to it. If you want to say owned X amount of slaves, you put it down there. So this way you walk in and go, wow, that must, that's, that's what a Confederate soldier wants to look like. That's what the way they stood, and that's the type of horse they had. And this is where they actually lived. Right. Right. I, I think that I hope that what you just said about what happened to the Columbus statue in Philly is a sign of a, a, t- a turning of the tide. Uh, that's what I hope for. Uh, the other big thing that I wanted to talk about for you, and I just talked about with John Roberts, is two stories that I never will stop being astounded by that no other network's covering. I watch those quad boxes, mm-hmm. and I also watch it home. I flip. Mm-hmm. They don't touch the Twitter story. <laughs> and they don't touch the border story. They touch it just because that deadline's coming up. Mm-hmm. CBS did something on the border. But we've owned this story, and we didn't need, We don't want to own the story. We can lead the story, but for, for Twitter to be bought and this stuff to be exposed and not to be reported, and for the White House to say, I don't want to get involved in campaigning because of the Hatch Act, yeah, what that your, was what's your reaction? Yeah. So I, on the, it's interesting, for the five every year, we do predictions for the coming year, and then we talk about what was your story of the year. And mine this year, it will be revealed at some point soon, but I'll tell you here, <laughs> is is the border story. Right. I am astounded at the numbers that are coming across, but really also about how the White House has just completely turned their a blind eye to it. And this is historic. It is changing the fabric of America. You have people who are very empathetic and in, and want more immigrants into our country who are now basically saying, that, well, we have an open border. And they're devastated by it. And it's a terrible thing. If Biden really cared about the dreamers, you would imagine he would have done something to secure the border so that everybody could get on board with the dreamers legislation that he wants to do. So this is my story of the year, the border. I'd love to ask Bill Malusian, any other reporters down there today? No, ma'am. They aren't. Every the, day. They're, they're about to have 14,000 people per day could come across now, and it'll be completely overwhelmed. There's only two times in which the country paid attention, and that was the bridge, when all those mm-hmm. illegal immigrants were on the bridge, and then the Haitians with the horse soldiers. Mm-hmm. And that's when everyone, that's when Kamala Harris was commenting and, and Joe Biden vowed to get to the bottom of it. And those Border Patrol that, are, that work on the horses, they never got an apology. Um, here's what Corrine Jean-Pierre said yesterday. Uh, cut to. Over the last 18 months, uh, DHS has deployed enhanced autom- automated processing system, automated sur- sur- surveillance towers, rescue beacons, and additional personnel to the sector. In addition to that, CBP has deployed additional agents support the sector. Uh, that's on top of the mobile processing units, medical screening personnel, and nearly 1,000 Border Patrol processing coordinate- coordinators DHS already had deployed in the area. Well, she can say that all she wants that is not matching up with the pictures that everybody is seeing and not what we're hearing from the agents. You know that the white house can make those comments, but they never talk about the agents. There was one who died last week 
Um, there has been 14 who have committed suicide in the last two years. They are not. They do not have the support that they need. And she could rattle off those numbers, but it it is not it's actually not what, it's nothing's doing working. anything. Nothing is working. How about Senator Kelly, who went down there and pretended to be interested in the border all of a sudden to get his six more years in office? Where's he been? Can we get someone like him with Henry Cuellar? This guy with his power and his prestige with the military. Well, and also, you know, when Gavin Newsom, the governor of California, goes down to the border uh, for the first time, beating Kamala Harris and Joe Biden there. So just in case they don't run for president in 2024, he'll be right there. Um, What if I think governors often do a pretty good job of figuring out a way to work across the aisle. And I'm just curious, like, why, if you were the governor of California, would you not call the governor of Texas and say, why don't you, me, governor of New Mexico, and Doug Ducey, governor of Arizona, let's get together. Let's have coffee. Let's talk this through. And then we can go to Washington together and talk to the president. Now, why wouldn't you do that? I don't know. But, you know, I know why. <laughs> why? Because if you go into a – if you were intent on, let's say, kicking somebody out of their apartment and you just say, listen, I got somebody else. I'm going to be able to double the rent. The last thing you want to do is sit down with, eye to eye with Dana Perino and say, Dana, I'm kicking you out because I yeah, get more okay. money. So you avoid the conversation. Mm. And you know what, Henry Quay, I never forget, Bill Malusian said to Shannon Bream on her first show that she, he sat down with Henry Cuellar. And he said, what is going on? Why doesn't the administration, why doesn't they listen to you? The president of the United States, somehow these, these left-wing immigration groups have gotten to him. And he is now dancing to what they want him to do. And what is it they want him to do? Because that's what I don't understand. Let like, more what is people in and I like, mean, become more of a Hispanic what? country. I get. I mean, is that the goal of, of these groups? And you don't have enough coverage of this. And I'm just surprised, too. This is the story of a lifetime. If you're a reporter and oh, you actually goodness. want to make a mark and you want to tell a story of a historical importance mm-hmm. of geopolitical complications that where you have drama and crime, like this story has it all. And they don't do anything, but they write. They want to write about work from home. And I'm going to two more nuances to this, and you might have talked about it too. When they decided to return the Venezuelan story, any Venezuelan that comes across has to stay in Mexico. Do you know the amount of uh, people coming dropped ninety percent? Then when Trump said uh, remain in Mexico policy, mm-hmm. it welled up things in Mexico. They put twenty thousand Marines on their southern border. Of course, everybody who had to apply for citizenship in the first country you get to, uh, wherever you are, that those things combined, along with building of a, a, a bigger barrier, a longer barrier, combined to really do a job on illegal immigration. It was a true all-in effort. Now I find out that they're considering stopping all refugees from coming across for five months. Okay? If you let the word out that by the time this evaporates on when the 42nd, when Title 42 evaporates on the 21st of December, that for after that, for five months, no refugees are getting in, that would have stopped the flow yeah. because families would have stopped. I'm not saying anything stops criminals. I'm just talking about people who go, families. you know, Ecuador kind of sucks. I'd rather be in America. You know, I think El Salvador is crime-ridden and really can't get ahead. I think it's time to come to America. This is a -a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. You have to stop them from doing these things. I'm also very concerned about a couple—well, one major thing. Everybody that's going to travel this season to go see their loved ones, they'll have to take off their shoes at the airport. And we have about a million gotaways in this country. Yeah. We already know that we have 100 people on the terrorist watch list that we've caught that have tried to come across. And we're still expected as taxpayers to fund to help protect us from terrorist activity. 
And yet the White House, the president, the commander in chief, the one who is in charge of securing the country, that's his number one job. And they don't do anything and reporters don't cover it. To me, that's very, very concerning and outrageous as a taxpayer. Because it makes it look like reporters are working for the administration, not for the people. And Xavier Becerra said yesterday or the day before that it's time to give illegal immigrants health care. This is what they wanted to do in California. So what's that going to – who's that going to stop from coming across It's going to be a big magnet. I I owe it to my family to get to California. I have no choice. I have to do it to my family. You have to stop these people from from doing this and coming here in an orderly way. Mm -hmm. Now, the trade-off would be this. I would expand the consulates in all those countries. I would expand our our State Department footprint in all those countries. Did you see how many And I would make it easier to come here. Do you see how the Biden administration has 40 ambassadorships that are not filled? Did not see that. Now, is that 40. the fault of the nomination process? I think so, yeah. Okay. Because, look, they, ha- they had the majority. They could, pa- they could get people through. Because you know how Schumer slow walked all the Trump nominees? Yes, yes. But even Trump got a, a lot of them done. He did. Um, th- I-, I think that for this, it's like, as I understand it, even the Biden team never even uh, put forward anybody to get confirmed. So, so th- there's a huge backlog. If you don't have a, a diplomat in those countries, yeah. and also where's Kamala Harris? It's ridiculous. It's it really it's disheartening. I don't like to be disheartened. I, know, I like to be positive. I like to I, try to find a silver lining. I do not see one here. Uh, and you know what? Where was she yesterday? Trumpeting the acceptance of interracial marriage, which would have been just as important. They, in had, they had fifty four hundred guests at the White House yesterday for that bill signing. I did not know that. Fifty four hundred outdoors. Yeah. Right. Uh, Lady Gaga. Cindy Lauper. Cindy Lauper. Who's got one song? Which is a mystery to me. Why would she go not have one more song? Because she sings that song that they um, um, about the colors. True colors. True colors. True colors. There you go. There you go. Of the uh, rainbow. Dana promised to stay around one more segment. Again, <laughs> you're going to get to see Dana and I together. You haven't seen us together since Jacksonville and on Percy. stage. And oh, you bringing your dog? Percy's going to come. Do we do we approve this, Allison? Yes, I love it. <laughs> Back in a moment. <laughs> Politics, current events, and news that affects you. Brian's got a lot more to say. Stay with Brian Kilmeade. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on the Brian Kilmeade Show. We ended up having a candidate quality time. And if you look at Arizona... Look at New Hampshire and a challenging situation in Georgia as well. Our ability to control the primary outcome was quite limited in 22 because of the support of the former president proved to be very decisive in these primaries. Hopefully in the next uh, cycle, we'll have quality candidates everywhere and a better outcome. I wanted to see what Dana Perino feels about this. That's why I wanted to place uh, mm-hmm. Senator Mitch McConnell doing an after-action after, after action report on being 5149 mm-hmm. in the Senate. Your mm-hmm. thoughts about what he said? Well, uh, look, he knows his business better than anybody, and he looks around, and he knew early on. He was like, this is going to be a problem, and this is going to be a problem. And they, I think they did what they could. But at the end of the day, why doesn't anybody ever blame the candidates themselves? <laughs> I don't <laughs> understand. Like Everybody wants to blame Mitch McConnell or Trump, but actually if you win the nomination and – you don't win the election? Shouldn't there be some – don't we believe in personal responsibility? I, I think I, the candidates do. Look at Herschel Walker. Could he have been more gracious when he conceded? Fantastic. He was wonderful. And so I, I, I do think that candidate quality matters. Look, Kevin McCarthy 
has this very slim majority. He won the races that he could. But in the in the states where they had Senate candidates that didn't win, they lost a lot of winnable House races as well. I didn't look into that. That's interesting. So think about Pennsylvania. I think about four or five of those races could have been in that side. So so Kevin McCarthy, he's in this race to try to figure out a way to get to 218 so that he can be the Speaker of the House. Uh, he He recruited great candidates, diverse candidates all across the board. He supported them tirelessly. And the, if you have a governor's race at the top that doesn't help bring the coattails, then you're not going to win. So, Dan, two things I say, by the way, it was Mitch McConnell who picked Kelly Loeffler to be the Senate yeah. nominee uh, and then run. She was terrible she was because terrible. she could sell finance. She might yep. be a nice person, successful, but she but was terrible. But that's a lesson. And the other thing is Murkowski. They had the Republican seat. Why are you wasting money there? Mm-hmm. And Blake Masters had talent. You might not have, well, he might have been your pick, but he mm-hmm. certainly had talent. And you mm-hmm. could have put money there. Now, Trump should have done the same thing. Well, I don't know. On, on the Blake Masters thing, I mean, out. Blake Masters lost by a significant amount. I don't think money was not the problem there. That was messaging. And I also, again, I just go back to, if as conservatives, if you believe in personal responsibility, you can't blame all, everybody else. That's true, but he was. <laughs> Mitch McConnell was. <laughs> uh, we'll see. The president got damaged in that midterm. Uh, there's no doubt about it. President the former president. Trump, yeah. And we'll see where he goes from yeah. here. Uh, Good to Dana, be here. I'll see you on the 5 and then see you Friday in New Jersey, yes. Point Pleasant. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a -a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.